Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past, headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are continuing our salute to Los Angeles radio station KFI on the occasion of their 50th anniversary. Our excerpts include Will Rogers, Fred Allen, and Eddie Cantor. And our host for this program is the popular announcer, Harry Von Zell. Hello, this is Harry Von Zell with my salute to KFI on this anniversary. You know, a large part of my 47-year career in radio has been spent in announcing programs that were heard on KFI. And I'm very proud to be a part of this special program. One of the earliest programs that I did on KFI and the NBC network was the Will Rogers Show. What a great American he was. I, remember, I think it was Will Rogers who said uh, in those very uh, tragic days of the Depression, someone once said that what this country needs is a good five-cent cigar. If you ask me, I think what this country needs is a good five-cent nickel. <laughs> it was typical of the Will Rogers wit, and uh, he had the ability to uh, inject this very rich humor of his into very serious uh, issues and subject of the times. He was uh, very courageous and very honest in his lampooning of some very high officials and very prominent people, but I don't believe that he ever offended anyone. He brought, he enriched the lives of millions of people with his unique uh, sense of humor and the wisdom of his philosophies. But here, from 1934, is the Will Rogers Show. Well, ladies and gentlemen, spring is back. And with it, Will Rogers and his alarm clock all the way from Hollywood, California. With Will Rogers tonight are our golf headliners, Frank Tours Orchestra and Miss Helen Gleason of the Metropolitan Opera Company. And now to Los Angeles, California, for Will Rogers and his famous alarm clock. Now, I received a wire this week from a congressman friend of mine who wants a copy of my plan to read in the congressional record. Now, I feel pretty good about that. That's the highest praise that a humorist can have, is to get your stuff into congressional record. Uh, just, uh... Just think, just think, my name will be right in there alongside of Huey Long's and all those other big humorists. And uh, you see, ordinarily, you've got to work your way up as a humorist and first get into Congress. Then you work on up into the Senate, and then if your stuff is funny enough, it goes into the congressional record. But, as an, but for an outsider to get in there as a humorist without having served his apprenticeship in either the House or the Senate, well, that's... I, I'm not bragging, but by golly, I feel pretty big about it. I, I uh... Did I ever tell you, I don't know whether I did or not, did I ever tell you about the first time I ever had any stuff in that daily? Uh, well, I'd written some fool thing, and it pertained to the bill that they was arguing, or that they was kidding about, rather, and uh, at the time in Congress, it's in the Senate, rather. So some senator read my little article, and anything that a senator reads goes into the record. And as it was during his speech, it naturally went in. 
So, well, another senator rose and said, you know, and as they always do, if you've ever seen them, does the gentleman yield? They always say that. But they call each other gentlemen in that. Uh, but the tone, the tone that they put on the word, it would be more appropriate, you know, the way they can say gentleman, you know what I mean? It would be, it would sound right if he come right out and says, does the coyote from Maine yield? You know what I mean? <laughs> That's about the way it sounds, you know? Uh, <laughs> he says gentleman, but it kind of sounds like coyote, you know? And then the man says, I yield, you know, for if he don't, the other guy will keep on talking anyhow. And so the coyote from Maine says, I yield <laughs> to the polecat from Oregon. <laughs> you know, he don't say polecat, but I mean, he says gentleman in such a way that it's almost like polecat. Well, anyhow, uh, <laughs> that's the way they do. They're very polite in there. And... <laughs> But I must get back to my story. When, the, when this senator read my offering, uh, the other senator said, after all the yielding was all over, and the other senator said, he, he says, I object, I object to the remarks of a professional joke maker being put into the congressional record. You know, meaning me, see? <laughs> Taking a dig at me. See, they, they, they didn't want any outside fella contributing. And, uh, well, he had me wrong. Compared to them, I'm an amateur. <laughs> and, the thing, and the thing about my jokes is they don't hurt anybody. You can take them or leave them, you know what I mean? You know, you say, well, they're not funny or they're terrible or they're good or whatever it is, but they don't do any harm. You can just pass them by. But, but with Congress, every time they make a joke, it's a law. Uh, you know? And... And every... <laughs> And every, and every time they make a law, it's a joke. <laughs> Fred Allen was another comedian that I had the pleasure of working with during the late 30s. Fred, now here was another one, uh, very much akin to Will Rogers in that this uh, ability to inject a very biting sometimes and yet always rich humor uh, into anything that was happening or even things that uh, hadn't happened yet that he felt sure were going to happen. I remember, those of you who uh, listened to Fred Allen will recall that uh, he never looked, never overlooked an opportunity to uh, take a little crack, to do a little kidding uh, about the advertising profession generally. And there came a time when a young man was commissioned by a magazine of that time to uh, do an interview and write an article for their magazine on Fred Allen. And I was present on one of the sessions when this young man was interviewing Fred. And he asked him about the, what he recognized as a uh, sort of a, an uncontrollable tendency on Fred's part to, to take these pot shots at the advertising profession generally. And he asked him outright, he said, Fred, I wonder, uh, do you have uh, some particular thing that, uh, that causes you to be just plain unfriendly toward the advertising profession? Fred said, no, uh, I have nothing against uh, the advertising profession and certainly none of the people in it because uh, they, they're very capable people. They have to be. It's a very demanding profession. But he says, as far as the business is concerned, uh, is concerned. What is it? If you break it down, if you analyze it, the advertising business is 15% commission and 85% confusion. <laughs> uh, 
And having spent quite a little while in the advertising business myself, I'm inclined to agree with him. It is very demanding. Well, let, let us give you here some of the... Uh, well, here, here's Fred, uh, with yours truly here, cutting up with one of the Salopatica commercials of that time. And now, ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. Someone once said that the world stands aside to make way for the man who knows where he's going. And so tonight, it gives me great pleasure to make way for a man who knows what he's talking about. Harry Von Zell. Don't ever neglect the cold. At the very first sign of a cold, get after it immediately with the faster help of sparkling... Uh, sparkling... Uh, what's the name? Fred Allen, remember? No, no, no. <laughs> the name of the... I'm awfully sorry. That eagle has upset me. The, I, I can't remember the name of what it is that helps fight colds faster. It slipped my mind. Well, it'll come to you. Go ahead, Harry. Well, yes, yes, of course. Ladies and gentlemen, this famous product acts very quickly, yet it's exceptionally gentle. And since the progress of a cold is very fast, the greater speed of, uh, of what it is I'm talking about is especially important in fighting your cold. And that's not all. This, uh, the name will come to me in a minute. It also helps nature counteract the acidity that so often accompanies a cold. And ladies and gentlemen, you can check these facts with your own doctor. You'd better check the name, too, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Fred, you know what I'm talking about, Why, don't certainly, you? Harry. You're talking about America's outstanding saline laxative. That's it, Fred. And the name is... The name is, uh, uh, so many physicians recommend it. Yes, yes. And it helps fight colds faster. But what is the name? Well, here's a pretty to-do. Wait, Harry. There must be somebody around here who knows... If there is, will you uh, please tell us uh, confidentially? That's it. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Another program which I was very proud to be associated with from time to time was the Armed Forces Radio Service Command Performance Program. Just listen to this parade of stars from one of the shows in Command Performance. Dick Tracy, Mr. Bing Crosby, Tess Trueheart, Miss Dinah Shore, old Judge Hooper, <laughs> that's me, the police chief, Mr. Jerry Colonna, flat top, Mr. Robert Hope. <laughs> Vitamin Flintheart, Mr. Frank Morgan, the Summer Sisters, Miss Andrew Sisters, the Mole, Mr. James Durante, Esquire. <laughs> Little Snowflake, Miss Judy Garland. Shaky, Master Frankie Sinatra. <laughs> Gravel Gertie, Miss Cass Daly. <laughs> and so it's on with the first comic strip operetta of all time, Dick Tracy in B-flat. Or, for goodness sakes, isn't he ever going to marry Tess Trueheart? <laughs> Ready, maestro. Overture. <laughs> Wow, now there is a lineup of stars for you. Ladies and gentlemen, the American Forces Radio and Television Service proudly presents the Retirement 2, yes, third. You knew Corporal Swan was retiring, didn't you? Yeah, I heard he had a job all set. It didn't work out. So he signed up for the computer bank program, Referral. 
Hey, that's a great program, but what was the matter with the first job? Well, they said they wanted someone with his eye on a ball, shoulders to the wheel, ear to the ground, and nose to the grindstone. They didn't want an accountant, they wanted a contortionist. Sloan will find out about a bunch of better jobs with referrals. Yeah, and you know what they say about old accountants? They never die, they just lose their balance. Financial security, civilian health benefits, job training, and placement. Just a few of the benefits of retirement from the armed forces. Find out about all of them from your personnel officer. Yet third. Uh, I don't know what makes me think of this. It's something, um... Well, I, I guess that I hold the all-time record for the, for the goof of the century on radio. It was at that time uh, we... Uh, over the network, we're dedicating a full evening of uh, music and entertainment to President Herbert Hoover on the occasion of his birthday. And how it happened that I was selected to be the voice on that program, I don't know. I was but a cub announcer at that time on the staff, but I drew it. And the program opened uh, with, with my delivery of about a seven-page review of the life of Herbert Hoover, beginning with the time when he was showing those uh, qualities of leadership uh, and, um, and, and business judgment, really, as a very, a very young boy. And taking it from those early days, we reviewed his life bit by bit, the Herbert Hoover, uh, the uh, business leader and uh, student leader in high school, Herbert Hoover, president of the student body, business manager of the athletic department in college, Herbert Hoover this, Herbert Hoover that. And I managed to get through my nervousness in this seven-minute uh, delivery without a frog in my throat. I didn't uh, have any slips of the tongue. I was very proud of myself. And when I came to the final line, um, I relaxed. And everything went to pieces. And the final words came out like this. And so, through this tribute to you, we hope that we may add to your happiness and demonstrate in this way our affection and our admiration for you, our president. Happy birthday, Heber, I never got it right. I fought it for 15 seconds and then walked away in sheer disgust. I walked out, the music then began. I walked out of the studios, down the steps. We were on the 23rd floor. I looked at the windows. If they had have been openable, I would have opened one and jumped out. I thought that was the end of everything. It wasn't. It was only the beginning. <laughs> All right. Now, my long association with Eddie Cantor is something that will live in my memory forever and I think perhaps beyond. I first met Eddie Cantor in, oh, 1930. But I began announcing his radio show four years later. Here it is. We want Cantor. We want Cantor. Freddy, Eddie, Cantor. We want Cantor. Our guest star, Cary Grant, with Margaret Whiting, Cookie Fairchild and his orchestra, Bert Gordon, the Mad Russian, and yours truly, Harry Bonzel, bring you... The 
Watson, I have never heard you in better voice. Me neither, Harry. La donne mobile quel fu mal vento, muta de cento. Did you ever hear such a voice, oh, Harry? I'm do... singing better. I don't. And how do you keep singing with such vitality? I owe my singing success to hard work, continual practice, and Ida and the five daughters. Well, I, I, don't, I don't understand what Ida and your five daughters have to do with singing, though. With all those women in the house, the only chance I get to open my mouth is when I sing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Harry, I'll sing even better once I get my new radio network started. The Cantor Broadcasting Company. Oh, yeah, Eddie, I understand you went over to Jack Benny's to get money for your new network. Yes. Mm-hmm. How'd you make out? Oh, How'd I make out? <laughs> well, I went over to Jack's house Tuesday... And I came in while Jack was paying Rochester his salary. Wait, wait, wait just a minute. Tuesday? I happen to know that Rochester gets paid on Monday. I know, but it takes Jack Benny 24 hours to let go of the money. <laughs> I think it was about 1945 that Eddie paid me something of a tribute. I'll never forget that. It was on one of the special NBC shows. That's a very nice introduction, really. But just between us, do you think the world could have stood two any candles? And besides, I couldn't carry on Thursday after Thursday alone. I couldn't even make it up to the microphone alone. Let me introduce the man who wheels me up to it and carries me away. Folks, meet Harry Von Zell. Oh, wonderful, Eddie. Just wonderful. And isn't this great? Yes, marvelous. Harry. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, what is this all about? This what? What is it? What do you mean, what it's about, Eddie? This is the NBC Parade of Stars. Yeah, I know. I know, yeah. Harry. But uh, what are we supposed to do, Harry? Do? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we tell a few jokes and... Why, why, Harry? Why are we supposed to tell jokes? Well, this is a special show, Eddie. It's, we're supposed to give like a sample of what we do, you see. Sample? Hmm. You mean at my time of life, Harry, I have to give samples? Oh. <laughs> How long have you been in radio, Harry? About 17 years. 17 years? Mm hmm I've been on the air for 16 years, Harry. Can it be that nobody's been listening all the Oh, huh? Eddie, well, th that is not the idea. You see, Fibber, McGee, and Molly were on before us, and they were very humorous. Yeah. But Burns and Allen told some very funny jokes. Why shouldn't you? Yeah, but they're just kids, Harry. I, they're trying to get a start. You see, yeah. Fibber, <laughs> Fibber, McGee, and Molly, Burns and Allen, remember, I've been around longer than they have. You've been around longer than anybody has. <laughs> No, but the idea is that, you see, if we give the folks a few samples of what we do on Thursday nights, then when Thursday night rolls Oh, but around... that's different, Harry. Thursday... On Thursdays, I get up there and give. On Thursdays, I get jokes. On Thursdays, I get inspiration. Yeah, and you get paid, too. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so it, isn't, it isn't that, Harry. No. You, you know me, kid. When I'm in the mood, my comedy sparkles. I'm in there pitching... I stand up to that microphone and give till it hurts. It hurts who? The sponsor? No, no, no Harry. No, no, no. Well, maybe you're right, Eddie. Why should we give samples after all? Do we ever ask the listeners for samples? Do they give till it hurts? Well, Harry, they give their time to listen to us. Well, it was nice of Eddie. I've never been sure I deserved it, but I've sure tried. I think one of the greatest tributes which could ever be paid to a comedian was the one to Eddie by the President of the United States... Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I have had many telegrams today, Thanksgiving telegrams, 
There's one that I want to read to you from an old friend who's helped Warm Springs in past days very greatly, Eddie Cantor, the comedian, the actor. And he gives me a thought that I think we can all think over. May you and yours have a happy Thanksgiving. I am thankful that I can live in a country where our leaders sit down on Thanksgiving Day to carve up a turkey instead of a map. Now this is Harry Von Zell again, saluting KFI on this 50th anniversary. The memories uh, this brings back for all of us who have been in it even for a part of that time uh, are, are just unbelievably rich in nostalgia, in sentimentality, the affections and the associations that grew out of those times were just simply wonderful. And it's, it's just, I, I can't explain to you uh, how it moves me to be able to relive some of these outstanding moments. After 47 years in radio, it is sure nice to be at home. Another bride, another groom, another sunny honeymoon. Another season, another reason for making whoopee. The choir sings, here comes the bride. Another victim is by her side. He's lost his reason, cause it's the season for making Down through the countless ages, you'll find it everywhere. Somebody makes good wages, somebody wants her share. She calls him toodles and rolls her eyes. She makes him strudels and bakes him pies. What is it all for? It's so he'll fall for mayonnaise. Another year, or maybe less. What's this I hear? Well, can't you guess? She feels neglected, and he's suspected of making whoopee. She sits alone most every night. He doesn't phone or even write. He says he's busy. But she said, is he? Is he? He doesn't make much money. Five thousand dollars per. Some judge who thinks he's funny says you pay six to her. He says, now judge, suppose I fail. The judge says, budge, right into jail. You'd better keep her. You'll find it's cheaper than making whoopee. That wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next week on this, the American Forces Radio and Television Service.